Warning, this podcast features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society, and welcome to another episode of True Horror Stories. Let's give a big thanks to our contributors, dbrew9145 and user Wills Monsters for sharing their stories with us tonight. Nightmare Society is a weekly podcast. We release an episode every Thursday and it's available on most pod streamers including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., If it streams podcasts, we're probably on it. So, don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can get episode notifications. And uh, if you're feeling like it, we'd appreciate you going over to YouTube and following us there. We'd appreciate it. Also, don't forget to head over to Instagram and follow us at Nightmare Society Radio. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you've got a few options to do so over on patreon.com slash nightmare society. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. three parts to this story and they all occur within a three year span. I'm not too sure how much correlation the first story has with the final two but I'll let you decide. I want to give a little backstory about myself before we begin. When I was younger, around eight or nine years old, I was terrified of horror movies, things lurking in the dark and odd noises at night. When I turned 11, I became an active member in the Boy Scouts. During my time in scouting, we would go camping once a month, and during the summers, we would go for a seven-day stretch. During this time, I learned to appreciate the wilderness and the darkness and began to love anything that would potentially give me any sort of fright or raise my anxiety level. I began watching horror all the time. I would sit and stare into the woods behind my parents' house. I was a whole new person. My family moved to North Carolina in 2000. I was nine years old at the time. Their house is on a cul-de-sac and is pushed back from the street about 30 to 40 yards and is surrounded by woods. The woods behind their house goes back at least half a mile. It's so dense I have never made it all the way through. It's so dark at night if you turn off all the house lights you're unable to see the house from the road. We also have two family pets, a cocker spaniel dog and a really mean cat, which is important in stories two and three. It's spring of 2010 and I just turned 19. I'm six foot two and weigh about 195 pounds. I'm ending my freshman year of college. I was a sports medicine major. 
played on my school's hockey team as a freshman starter, and went to the gym twice a day. So, needless to say, most people didn't mess with me or give me a difficult time because I could handle myself very well. I was soaking up all the world had to offer, so at the end of my freshman year, the freshman class decided to throw a bonfire party down by the river. All of my friends thought it was a great idea, including myself, but forgot the part how we would actually get to the river. To get to the river, you had to start at the top of the hill which was the point on the school's campus where if you were at the top of, quote, the hill, you can see all the dorms looking one way and all of the sports fields if you look the other way, except the football field as it was located at the front entrance of the campus. If you didn't have a car, the walk down the hill was probably a half a mile. It was a very peaceful walk. Once at the bottom, you would walk through a dirt field, which was more of a parking lot than anything and cross over a set of railroad tracks and into a dense set of woods. It's now time for me to head to the party and it's around 10 p.m. It's dark, but there are students rolling around campus since it is a Saturday night. My group of friends meet in the lobby of the dorm and head down to the river. It was an easy walk down and the woods didn't pose a problem. Now that I typed this out, the walk was easy because we were all distracted. We made it to the bonfire, nothing unusual about the party. There was music and drinks and just a bunch of college kids having a good time. I received a phone call about an hour into being at the bonfire, which required me to have to head back to my room to send a last-minute assignment before I was late turning it in. I walked back with two others who were making a run to the store and then coming back down to the river. Once I emailed my assignment in, I was ready to go back down. I waited about 20 minutes for my two friends to get back from the store, but they had not made it back yet. I called to get an ETA and they said to go on down because they had run into some other friends and didn't realize how long they had been out and hadn't even made it to the store yet. I didn't think anything of it. I was super comfortable with navigating my way back down to the river. The walk back down the hill was normal. I crossed over the railroad tracks and entered the woods. It's about a mile walk through these woods in the middle of the night. I was used to being in the woods at night, so my senses were heightened, but I wasn't afraid. I made it about a half mile in and felt that I missed a turn. This is the point where I took out my phone and turned on the flashlight. You would think I would have already done that before I entered the woods, but I didn't. Once I realized I was right on the path down to the river, I kept on. Once I finally could see the fire, I turned my phone off and continued down the rest of the way. The last few hundred feet, I ran into some guy. We exchanged some small talk about the party and how things were going. Nothing serious. I didn't remember seeing this guy down there before, so I figured he walked down there while I was emailing my assignment. Wasn't enjoying himself and decided to leave. He was fairly small in stature. I would say around 5 foot 5 inches and maybe 120 pounds soaking wet. Like I said, we had small talk and then we went our separate ways. The party roared on until the early hours of the morning. I slept all the next day since it was Sunday and there were no classes. That evening I joined a group of friends who went to the bonfire for dinner in the dining hall. We always sat in the same spot on the far side of the dining hall where they had all the TVs. 
One TV was always programmed to the news and one to ESPN. I happened to look up at the TV with the news at just the right time. To my amazement, there is a mug shot on the news channel. The guy I ran into in the woods by myself and had small talk with was wanted for serial rape and a few murders. After I saw this, it all made sense. This guy wasn't leaving the party. He was stalking the party. He was looking for any vulnerable young women who decide to venture through the woods alone. Luckily, no one except for myself took that trip alone and everyone made it back to their rooms unharmed. It's now the summer of 2010. I'm still at the same school, but we are now on summer break, which I'm back at my parents' house. It's the last week of summer break since I'm majoring in sports medicine. I'm required to return to school with all the athletes. The summer was amazing. I went on a few dates. I was at the gym every day and I was playing hockey in a men's summer league to prepare for next season. I've bulked up to 250 pounds and have never felt stronger. As amazing as this summer turned out to be, it was also very strange for me as I would stay up until 4am and wake up at 2pm, so my sleep schedule was extremely off. I was more than ever into horror and thriller movies and could not get enough of them. I would stay up until 4am and just watch movie after movie. My mom and sister were also night owls and stay up till around 1 and 2am every night, but on the other hand, you were lucky if my dad stayed up past 8pm. My mom, sister, and I would watch movies until they fell asleep and went to their rooms, and at that point I would head to my room and continue my binge of horror or thriller movies. This night was no different than any other that summer. It was a hot night in August. August 12th, to be exact. I will never forget this date. The way my parents' house is set up, once you enter the front door, there is a staircase directly in front of you. If you turn left of the staircase, there's a living room. If you turn right, there's a formal dining room. Directly off the living room is an office space and a small hallway which had a door for the pantry, a door to an unfinished basement, a bathroom, and then leads you into the kitchen. Off the kitchen is my parents' bedroom and a small area they use as a laundry room, which leads to the garage. Another detail which is important now is if you go up the staircase to my sister's room, it's located to the left and minus to the right, accompanied by the bathroom and a door that leads to a storage space and a pull-down attic door on the ceiling. It was around 1.30am. My mom and my sister had gone to bed about 30 minutes before me, and I was just making sure all the doors were locked and cleaning up my mess before I headed to my room. I get to my room and decide to watch Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. I absolutely loved this movie. I had hunkered down and was now fully engulfed in the movie. I was watching on my laptop as my parents didn't believe in TVs in the bedrooms. I liked to listen to movies pretty loud so I had headphones in to not wake up my sister. The time is now around 2.30am and I had to use the bathroom. I pause the movie and take my headphones out and make my way to the door to open it and head to the bathroom. The moment I take my headphones out I hear footsteps downstairs. 
This was nothing out of the ordinary, as my mom and dad both get up during the night and get water regularly. We also have family pets. A 12-year-old Cocker Spaniel dog and a 10-year-old mean cat, which we all loved very dearly. Since our dog was old, my mom would let him go outside during the middle of the night, so there would not be any accidents. So, footsteps downstairs were pretty normal in our house in the early morning. Before I used the bathroom, I looked down the stairs to see if I could see our dog or cat, but I didn't see them. I used the bathroom, washed my hands, and made my way back to the room. I could still hear footsteps downstairs and thought nothing of it. I closed the door to my room and was about to get back into the movie. Not even a minute later, I hear the front door open. I take concern because this has never happened during the middle of the night. I go back to my door and open it to try and hear what's going on. All I hear is footsteps that now sound like someone is wearing boots, walking through the formal dining room, through the kitchen, through the laundry room, and to the back door to open it. I immediately thought to myself, it is very odd that neither door closed. At that very moment, the absolute worst fear of dread fell over my body, and there was this horrible crashing sound. It sounded as if every window in my parents' house had blown out. I knew in that moment something was completely wrong and didn't hesitate for a second. I bolted down the stairs, remembering the front door never closed shut, expecting it to be wide open. But to my amazement, it was closed. I was befuddled, but still carefully moved through the dark looking for anything that had happened. I opened the door to rooms and closets, figuring I would find someone hiding in the house. I knew the back door had also been opened, and as I made my way to the back door, I bumped into a person, which turned out to be my mom. We both freaked out and immediately looked at the back door and walked right to it. The back door was closed and locked. We looked at each other with a confused look and then asked each other if either one of us had been downstairs just now. Shockingly to one another, we both said no. We agreed to check the house together and find out what happened, but we found nothing. We opened every door to include cabinet doors and were left empty with no answers. Confused and a bit shaken, we went back to bed. I didn't sleep well and the next morning I also noticed my mom didn't sleep well because we were both still questioning the events that occurred the night before. This was the one morning I came downstairs before my sister, and my mom and I both asked how she slept, and she said she slept amazing. And to our amazement, my sister didn't hear a single thing the night before. My sister is very jumpy and scares quite easily, so my mom and I didn't mention a word of it. The morning goes on and there are errands needing to be done for the day, the main one being visiting a store named Batteries Plus. All the store sells are any battery you could imagine. My mom's sister and I all go on this trip to the battery store. My mom and I are exhausted and ready to head home. My mom decided to cut the errand short and just visit the battery store and head back home. We turn back into the cul-de-sac and realize something isn't right. The garage door is wide open. Now this is possible because my parents have the remote garage door openers and my mom could have somehow hit the button still being close to the house and didn't realize it. We pull up to the garage and I look and the door leading into the house is wide open. 
My mom, sister, and I immediately questioned each other asking if the door was closed when we left, and we all said yes. I got out of the car and took the lead, grabbing the first thing I could find to defend myself, a hockey stick. I go around the perimeter downstairs. I didn't open any doors, just a quick look. I returned to the garage and reported where I looked and my mom joined to search doors and upstairs. We opened all doors downstairs and found nothing. We went back to the garage and informed my sister that nothing was downstairs or in the basement. And she then agreed to come inside. Once my sister came inside, we all three went upstairs. My mom stayed at the top of the stairs. I checked my room, the bathroom, and the storage space and my sister looked in her room. My mom stood at the top of the stairs. Once my sister and myself emerged from our own rooms, we simultaneously said there was nothing there. As we looked at our mom, she had wide eyes. My sister and I looked at what she was staring at. She was looking at the attic door on the ceiling that had a handprint in the dust. We all knew no one had been up there in years. We pulled the cord down and went up the ladder. To our amazement, no one was there. Fast forward a full year, to the same date to be exact, August 12th, 2011. Another hot summer night. It's around 2.30 a.m. and I'm sitting in my room in my parents' house during summer break, about to head back to college for my third year. I'm watching a movie in my room, again Sweeney Todd. Next thing I know I hear a knock at my door. I think it's my sister being polite asking to go downstairs with her to get a drink. I open the door to find my mom holding a broken hockey stick, crying her eyes out. She kept my first hockey stick I broke during a game. The way the hockey stick had broken there was a sharp jagged edge that would definitely do damage to anything or anyone that it struck. I looked with concern and asked if she was okay and she muttered, No. I asked what was wrong and she said, I couldn't fall asleep and I heard a whistling noise outside. I I thought it was the wind. I then heard the back door open and laid there quietly so I could hear what happened next. All of a sudden there's this voice, a, a man's voice, right next to my ear. And he said my name and all I could think about was getting you. After hearing this from my mom, I went into fight mode and jumped down the staircase. I tore apart my parents' house looking for anyone or anything inside the house. I searched over an hour and didn't find a single thing. It's now 2022, and every year on August 12th, my mom still encounters strange events at 2.30 to 3 a.m. To whoever or whatever is tormenting my mom, come find me. She deserved peace and you deserve an ass whooping. And oh yeah... I still fight. I'm 23 years old. I would say I was at least 12 years old when these events occurred. I've told this story only a few times, and I warn you that even I'm skeptical, and I'll simply state things as they happened with as much detail as possible. 
my family and I were searching for a new house for two reasons. One, so that my brother and I could get separate rooms as we were getting too old to share a room. And two, because our current neighborhood was going downhill and my parents wanted me to grow up in a safe environment. The house was old looking, a row home, and the interior mostly carved wood done by the people who lived in the house originally. We spoke to the owners, a husband and wife, and the husband's dad, an older man who had an oxygen tank and could not speak. He, in his youth, had been a wood carver and done the house interior, and he had taught his son the trade. The father has done a lot of woodwork in the living room and the floors, while the son had made at least some cabinets in the kitchen. Charming 12-year-old me spent some time talking to the owners, and they seemed quite smitten with me. A short period of time passes, and we returned to the home to close the deal. Apparently, my parents offered less than the owners wanted, but it was still an acceptable amount. The wife during the meeting asked me if I was excited to have my own room, and of course I responded yes, and she then replied that she would love to see me have my own room, and so the negotiations went into full effect. My parents would later say, perhaps to be nice, that the house was only sold to them because the wife said I deserved my own room, which I thought was super cool at the time. My parents showed me upstairs and the room that would be mine. It was quite small, about the size of a pickup truck, but my parents implied that they would make it bigger. It was a basic room and in fact belonged to the silent father of the husband. At the realtors, the wife implied we should leave the room as it is. This worried me and I sat quietly upset that my room would remain small. In the car on the way home, however, my father told me not to worry. It would be our house and we could do whatever we wanted. He would later change the upper floor, combining my room with a closet and a bathroom and shifting things around such that my room was larger. As soon as we could, my dad started working on the house, and as we stayed in our old house packing and getting ready, it was close to Christmas, and my father was determined to get us in the house before then. He did. It was early December when we officially moved in. The work that he had completed was the upstairs, so we all had bedrooms and could sleep there, but overall there was still work to be done. This is where everything starts to go south. Typically, a house makes noises, especially a new one with construction, but all the noises seemed to originate from the area where the parlor and the dining room met, sounding like a shoe squeaking against hardwood floors, which the whole middle floor had. The middle floor being where the parlor, dining room, and kitchen was. There was upstairs where the bedrooms were, and a basement that was mostly storage and where the washing machines were. The washing machines were located in the back, under the kitchen. There were noises and scratchings around my room, which I tried to ignore but were frightening to 12-year-old me, in a new house, in a room by himself for the first time. All hands were on deck to redo the basement. My father, brother, and I began to break up the walls. Inside them were what seemed to be filler, but not in massive quantities. It had chunks of rock and lots of old newspaper, 
which we showed my mom out of curiosity. But then we found something different. Located in the wall in a section of the house just under where the parlor and the dining room meet, we found a photo, sepia, of an older woman. Older than me, now younger. She was maybe in her 20s. It had a thin but wide cardboard-like frame around it. The woman did not look happy, but that's to be expected, as smiling was not a normal thing by the time of this photo. Her hair was up in a bun and her dress was dark and poofy. The size of it was slightly smaller than a postcard. This, of course, we showed to my mother, which she decided we should keep because of how cool it was. It was kept in the kitchen, leaning against a flower pot. The kitchen was below my brother's room and above the basement section that houses the washers. At one point, we had a piping problem that led to the toilets overflowing several times. So the next morning there was a problem with the water. It wasn't flowing right. We tried to solve it to no avail. We called a plumber who wouldn't arrive until the next day. The morning of the next day in the washing section of the basement, the pipes in the wall had burst and the walls were leaking. We didn't know at first. We originally only saw the leaking wall and were wondering what happened. It was a relief the plumber was coming. He snaked the pipes and found a large piece of brick inside them. No explanation how. We weren't working with bricks and it didn't match the makeup of the house. He told us, however, the piping in the walls and the one with the brick were not directly connected, and thus the two had developed issues independently. The house was continually full of noises, typical of a new house, however. Sometimes my father would pass out on the couch after working so hard. This, of course, was after a beer or two and several cigarettes. His sleeping pattern would be interrupted by empty beer cans hitting the floor in the kitchen. He said that sometimes he would push the beer cans deep into the trash, only to have them later that night crash onto the floor. They weren't just sitting on top. I only experienced this event once, and I can assure you that the trash was not filled to the brim, and we even had a lid on the can, so the beer can had at least 8 inches to travel up to get over the lip. My dad, despite this, doesn't believe in paranormal things and is pretty dedicated to his religious beliefs, but to this day doesn't deny that the event with the cans was strange. He's Catholic, we all are, but I've since become an atheist. My mom was stressed by problems we were having with construction and Christmas coming, so she bought a small statue of Mary maybe five inches tall, in hopes of bringing joy to the house and having the Lord bless it. She placed it in the kitchen on the windowsill next to the picture of the woman. The next morning, the statue was found on the floor. Mary's hands were broken off and across the room from her. She had traveled at least 24 inches from the window's ledge, and the hands had traveled a good seven feet. My father found this and repaired the statue with super glue. But at this point, almost jokingly, my mother, brother, and I blamed the picture and began to research the house. We pulled up no information that was conclusive as an identity, 
but we did find one woman's name. It was the name of the wife of the father of the husband who sold us the house. The man who was sick and couldn't talk. He had been the owner before his son, along with his wife, Catherine. So to make that clear, the father of the man who sold us the house, he and his wife were the only prior owners we could locate, or at least that's as far back as we can find. No proof that the photo was of her, but the timing would add up. The father was in his late 80s when we met at about 2005, and the photo was of a woman in perhaps her 20s, so we're talking about the photo being taken in the 1950s, so the time would add up. But as I said, no evidence. The writing on the back of the photo was one word, sloppy and unreadable. My brother's ceiling began to leak due to the snow. His room was above the kitchen, above the photo. We've yet to properly repair the damage from that to this day. We still live in the home. We noticed that all the activity was either above or below the photo. My mom wanted a priest to come out, and this is where my father, as I mentioned, had his faith shook a bit, and agreed that my mom wasn't totally crazy for wanting it but he still didn't believe it was the photo. He was skeptical, but no longer frustrated with our obsession over the photo and the odd events. It was Christmas time and the priest was busy. He would come and bless the house, but not for some time. I snooped around and found my Christmas gifts in the basement. That's where my parents had hid them. Christmas Eve night comes and I'm in bed, wide awake with anticipation. I hear my parents go slightly up the hall to my brother's door to listen for noise, then to my door, then to his. They kept roaming the halls to check on us and to move the toys, but I soon noticed they weren't going down the stairs with them, and the gifts weren't on this floor. Eventually the noises stopped. In the morning I casually asked my parents about it, and they, still slightly trying to deny the real magic of Christmas, said Santa had a hard time putting the gifts out, considering the kids kept walking up and down the hall trying to spy on their gifts. My brother said he heard the noises too and thought the same, that I was trying to spy on my gifts. I told them that that wasn't the case, that it was not me. My dad seemed not to believe me. He thought I was spying, but my mom did believe me. In later years, they revealed all the toys were in the basement and that it really wasn't them in the hall. Christmas night, I was up late with my toys. I couldn't sleep. It was early, maybe two in the morning, when someone came to check on me. I could hear and see the doorknob rattle, so slightly, like someone trying to get in the room without waking me. The door was locked and I whispered, I'm still awake, Mom. But no answer and I didn't hear anyone walk away from the door, nor had I heard anyone walk up to it. I opened the door and my parents' door was closed. They were asleep. This was one of the only nights I was up this late, and my brother reported similar going-ons, and that he often heard someone walking up to his door. He said it mostly happened from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m., a time when little me was fast asleep. In fear, he had bought a knife from his friend. He's only three years older than me, so he was about 15 when this was going on. 
The priest ended up coming in early January, and we described the events. I don't remember too much of what he said. I do remember he had an exchange with my mom where she told him what was going on. He put his hand on her shoulder, comforted her by her name, and with his hand raised and a Bible in the other, said, We cast out whatever negative energies reside in this home, so that the Smith family may live in peace. He finished with a sprinkling of holy water. He did so in several places, but I only remember specifically him sprinkling it on one wall. Before he left at my mother's request, he gave her a merry magnet to place on the broken statue. It went on the fridge in the kitchen. In the morning, I went down for breakfast and found the magnet was missing. I located my father in the basement and told him it was missing. He said not to tell my mom, but he found it when he got home from work. He had started working night shift, which made it even harder for me, her, and my brother to be home at night. It was on the floor, hands broken off. For the record, the fridge was across the room from the photo. He had it there and wanted to repair it as well, but said he could not locate the hands. We have no pets, and no one in the family is the type of person to break property like that. Never had anything like this happen before. My dad told my mother, and my mother wanted the priest to come back out. But he said he couldn't do it, that he was busy but not to worry. My father was upset, but he didn't know what to believe. He only expressed frustration with the fact that his family didn't feel safe. He didn't want to miss work, but my mom didn't want to be in the house alone at night, and selling the new house would cost them a lot. It wasn't really an option. Noises continued and my brother was increasingly upset, saying he didn't sleep much. It was during this time that my brother changed. I won't go too much into detail about this as it's private, a touchy subject, and likely nothing to do with it, but I'll make it easy enough to understand. Due to insomnia and depression, my brother turned to alternative means of coping, and hasn't been the same since. These decisions were made during the time the photo was present in the house, located under his bedroom. My mom was the first one to point this out only a few years ago. My brother did say, however, in times of clarity that the noises keeping him awake at night were a major problem for him at the time. Late January, school, it was a Catholic school, and they wanted us to do a project on spirits and ghosts and talk about our feelings about them. As I remember, it was mostly anti-ghost agenda as they were not considered part of the religion. I brought in the photo and my story. My mom was hesitant, despite the terrible goings on. We were equally fascinated by the events. I made the teacher absolutely promise to give it back after my presentation and my paper was graded. I told my class a story, a group of 12 to 13 year olds. As this was late January now and my birthday had just occurred, now 13. They were shocked and asked many questions. My teacher didn't believe me. Long story short here, the photo was thrown away. Possibly on purpose. My mom had thrown a fit at the school, but there was no way to get it back. She told them my story was true, 
but the school with their religious ways didn't understand why we would want it. We eventually went on with life and stopped talking about the photo. It was gone. With the photo gone, the house grew quiet. A month and two weeks later, George, husband of Catherine, the woman we believed to be in the photo, passed away. He was old and sick, so it wasn't sudden, but odd to us. His wife had obviously passed away many years ago. My mom wondered if he died of a broken heart, having moved out of a house which the interior had been primarily built by his own hands, or his son's. But nothing more happened. We still occasionally get mail for the deceased old man. I just don't know what I think. All these years later, everything seems odd, but not impossible. I don't go around screaming my house was haunted, but all I know is, this stuff actually happened. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Ha 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 ha.